Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Friends, I'm so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to work from home and actually get work done. I've been wanting to do this episode for years now because while I've been working from home for almost 10 years, wild, right? I know that it's a newish thing for so many of us. We know that work from home has become so much more common in the last few years, especially since the pandemic started. So many of us work from home either sometimes or have hybrid schedules or are fully remote. And while working from home has its perks for sure, it also has a whole new set of challenges. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Elizabeth McCravey. Elizabeth is a Nashville-based wife, mom, podcaster, and website designer. She designs and sells the most beautiful show at website templates, which we'll be sure to link to in the show notes along with a discount code. And she does all of that while working from home. She has so much wisdom and insight to share on the topic of work from home life, and I cannot wait for you to hear from her. But before we dive in, speaking of things that we can do from home, did you know that you can have a counseling session straight from the comfort of your couch? With one of our amazing Girls' Night sponsors called Faithful Counseling, you can do just that. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This is truly the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. Now, you may have heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I want to tell you four quick reasons why I love them so much. The first, it's easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through, what you're looking for in a counselor, and within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. Second reason I love them is that it's easy to schedule. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And the best part is you can do it all virtually. No commute, no awkward waiting room time, less time away from work. You can even do your sessions in your PJs. The third reason I love them is that it's easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And oftentimes we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is super awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor, or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They make it so easy to find the best fit possible. And then the last reason is that it's easier to fit into your budget. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when the economy's in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. And if you sign up through the special link they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com counseling. And that link will also give you 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com counseling for all the info, and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. Okay, you guys ready? Let's jump into the episode with Elizabeth. 
You guys, I am so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my new, but also how are we not friends already, friend, (laughs) Elizabeth McCravey. Elizabeth, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, I'm so thrilled. So Stephanie, I have been, I looked actually on like Apple Podcasts, you know, you can like see when you first subscribe to a show. And I've been a Girls' Night listener since like early 2019. So when it was like around like 50-ish episodes, so long time, and then you're right, we have so many mutual friends. So it's like, it's a long time coming. I was so grateful when you asked me to be on because this is, I'm a Girls' Night listener as well, like everyone listening to us now. So it's really fun. I didn't know that. (laughs) I know. I waited till we started recording to tell you that because I was like, I want to tell her that while we're all listening. But yeah, I love your show. Totally didn't know that. I'm so honored. I feel like, um, yeah, we really do have mutual friends. And so your name has come up in all kinds of moments for me. And um, I feel like I I love your work. I love the way you work. And um, so I'm just so inspired by you. And I feel like I've had a business crush on you forever. And so um, that's so like, yeah. And also we both live in Nashville. So I'm like, how has this not happened? Yeah. Like, it's it's a... Yeah, we need to hang out. Um, okay, so for women who haven't gotten to meet you and follow along with your work forever, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact. Yes, so my name is Elizabeth McCravey, and I'm a Christian. I'm a wife to my high school sweetheart, but like senior year high school sweetheart. So not the whole time of high school, okay. but senior year high school sweetheart, Adam. And we have a son, one son who's a year and a half year old. And we live in the Nashville area in Franklin, Tennessee. So like you said, close by. So fun living here. And I do a lot of things, but the main thing in my business is that I create and sell show it website templates. I'm a website designer. Um, They're really easy to use templates, very personality driven and like made to grow with your brand. I also teach other designers how to build their business through my course, Book.Designer. And I'm a podcaster too. So Breakthrough Brand Podcast is the name of my show. And it's like a lot of a lot of stuff for for business owners, marketing, um, productivity, motherhood in business, website tips, things like that. And then my husband and I also do real estate investing, which sometimes I like forget to mention that because it feels still so new. And it's very much like our little but big-ish side hustle where you have five rental properties across Middle Tennessee and one in Alabama. So that's like another endeavor we have. And a fun fact about me. So like many people who were teens in the 2000s, I had a MySpace, um, right? So MySpace was the hot thing then. And instead of just using it to post like the old school, like traditional selfie with like a real phone and updating your top eight, I actually Uh had like a true MySpace. I can't call it a business because it made no money, but I'll call it a MySpace hobby where my sister and I made MySpace layouts. So we would design them, encode them, market them, put them up on our page for other teenagers to use. So all sorts of like cool, fun um, designs. And we were really like little computer nerds where we just loved it so much. So after school and weekends, it was like, this is our thing um, that we're doing. And we grew it to like a decent size friends on MySpace situation. And my dad from there was like, hey, y'all should make this into a business. Um, there actually, if you can Google it, but there were a lot of teenagers back then who like made good money selling MySpace layouts. And as soon as we like start, got the domain name, started the website process, we lost interest. It lost its luster, um, oh. possibly due to like it's starting to make money. And it might have just been that we were at an age of like facing out of it. But yeah, that was like my thing growing up. And it's cool looking back now because I do, 
I make website templates, MySpace layouts, very similar. So it's cool seeing how God like weaved that in of like a super early interest. I had no idea it could be a business. And now it's like what I'm doing. So I love looking back. And it's just fun memories with my sister too, of like us kind of building that thing together. That is so cool. That is so cool. I totally had a MySpace changing your top eight. Like yeah. the thing that was like, you'd have, you'd pick your music that yeah. like would play when you'd go on your page. It like, I think mine had like glitter fall. I don't yes. know. That is so, I love that. That's one of the things that I've, I've loved about, I, that I love thinking about is like looking back through my early interests and, you know, different conversations I had with people along the way. Like it just feels like the road is really windy as you're walking down it. But when you look back, you're like, oh, all of these things connected. And that's that's really cool. Tell me, like, how did you make that jump from like this early interest um, in coding and and building MySpace layouts? How did that become like what has your your career journey looked like? Yeah. So I, I feel like most people don't realize a lot of careers that are out there. We were just talking about this. Like what we both do now, a lot of people are like when you're younger, you're like, you don't even realize that's a thing. So for me, I had an early interest in entrepreneurship, definitely an early interest in design. And I graduated college deciding to be a nursing major, which is like, what? That doesn't even have anything to do with either of those things. But I also loved science. And that was like a very obvious career path. Like I knew a lot of people who were nurses. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's super, super common thing. And so it felt like it made sense to me. And I went to college with that major. Uh, never took any nursing classes because freshman year, I kind of felt that like, hey, that's like not the right thing. But I had no idea what I wanted to do career-wise. I was like... Just very, you're very confused and only felt like I was familiar with very certain career paths and just really struggling there. But I went to my school's career counseling center and did sessions with them. I paid to do their whole personality testing system and did the whole career counseling thing. And the guy ended up telling me, you should major in digital media studies, which I'd never heard of that major or that concept. Uh, It was a very unpopular major at my small college. There were only a few of us even in it, Uh, but it was the perfect fit for me. It was a combo of graphic design, computer science, and marketing. So you took classes in all three of those. And then my emphasis was graphic design. And as soon as I like started taking the classes, I really started to lean into like, okay, I love this. I love, um, started to kind of embrace the idea of uh, the business stuff a bit more and like allowing that side of me to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so that that was really how I found the the degree and the the concept. And I got a job right out of college um, at a PR, not PR place, like an ad ad marketing is like kind of medical marketing stuff here in Nashville. And I was very excited to be a nine to fiver. Like I thought that was like going to be so great. And I actually think there's, I'm, I'm not against nine to fives. <laughs> Even as someone who's an entrepreneur now, I think there's like, I think it can be a great career path. But I was like, at the time, like, this is it. I'm so excited. I'm going to like wear a pantsuit and like work in a big building. And I hated my first job, like truly hated it um, for a lot of reasons that made a lot of sense and a lot of reasons that maybe didn't. And I ended up quitting it after about three and a half months and left without, um, left kind of unexpectedly, like got, didn't get a 30 days notice. Like I thought it was like, I left that day. And um, I think it was a total God thing because I left the job 
thinking, all right, I'm going to find another nine to five. I'm going to start applying, start that application process over again that I just did when I graduated college. And no one wrote me back. Literally couldn't find a job, even though that first job was super easy for me to find at a time where a lot of my friends were struggling to get their first job. I got a job easily and then was like, no one's writing me back. And I ended up really kind of going hard into the freelance stuff I had been doing while I was at the nine to five and while I was in college, leaned back into that, um, doing freelance design for people, managing people's social media accounts, things like that. And it took me about a year, but I decided like, okay, let's make this freelance thing my for real business and start pursuing it that way. But I really think it was like just such a God thing that like the doors were not opening for me to get another job and that I had a first job I didn't like. Because I think if I had a job I'd loved, it might've been years and years before I started my business. And so something for people listening to even know that like, I think sometimes when we're younger, we can think like, oh, starting a business is for people my mom's age or like for people in their 30s. It's like not something for when you're in your 20s. But I started my business when I was like 22 and it was very intimidating. Um, I definitely was the youngest in the room forever and still sometimes feel like I'm the youngest in the room, even at 30 now. Um, But it was like, yeah, it felt very young. It felt very like unqualified a lot of the time, but I'm so glad I started when I did. And you can totally start a business that young or younger even, or older, you Mm -hmm. know, whenever. Yeah, It's um, one of the things that I, we've talked about this a million times on the show is I was so intimidated to start a podcast, even though like my background is in broadcast journalism. I, I have some of the, like training, I guess, but it still felt really intimidating. But like that was when I realized everyone is a beginner at the beginning. Everyone is a beginner. And so you like if if you're gonna start anything, you're gonna have to be terrible at it for a while. So you might as well jump in and kind of get that part over with. And so like it's never the wrong time to start. You're if, if you're gonna be bad at it for a while, you might as well like start logging some of those hours early or today, you know, and, and like with practice, you'll get better at it. I, I love that. And that's honestly, that's really similar to mine and Carl's story. Like we had jobs we loved, we lost them. We both got downsized all in the same day and right before our wedding. And then um, we kind of found something else that worked for a while, but then that fell through. And um, so Carl just kind of pursued his like freelance design work. And that's when like kind of the second... The, the bottom dropping out for the second time was when I was like, well, I don't have anything to lose. I might as well start writing and start taking this seriously and and like really pursue this this blog thing as a business. And I'm so glad I'm I'm so glad that I did. I, I think most people well, I was talking to a group of of creatives yesterday about this, that everyone tells you in college that you can't make a living creatively. I know so many women and men who are flying in the face of that. I would say more people, it's because I'm in this industry, but more people, I know more people making a living through entrepreneurship and creativity and writing and art and music than I do people who aren't. It really is possible. Yes. Yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah, it feels like, it can feel like you can't because again, you only see certain career paths, but once you get your eyes open to all the different things that there is out there, there's so much more. And that's cool yeah. that y'all's story is so similar. And it's just yeah. like, you never know. Like sometimes your business, sometimes you'll have deliberate business starting. And sometimes it's more of like things happen that lead you to that path that you were like meant to go on. Yeah, yeah. So because you've been doing this 
work for so long. You've been doing it from home for so long. Uh, I really wanted to just pick your brain like crazy about how you how you get things done. I think when COVID happened, so many of us, you know, who were wearing pantsuits and who were in offices, um, all of a sudden started living kind of more this entrepreneurial lifestyle. You know, no matter who you're working for, if you're working for yourself, if you're working for someone else, so many of us are working from home now. And that's a really, it can be a really tricky thing. It's not something that we're all just like naturally gifted at. Um, And so I think a lot of us are beginners at trying to be our work selves at home. And so that's, I just, I have like a thousand questions for you about this. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the first one is, can you walk us through your daily schedule? Now that we know what you do, like, how do you do that throughout a day? Yeah. Yeah. So first I want to say with the like working from home thing, you're so right that it's hard and that we aren't like typically taught how to do it. And then it is like with COVID, it's like everyone just got like thrown into this and even your employer might not know how to like help you do it well. And when I first started working from home all those years ago, I know I made a lot of mistakes, like some that we'll talk about in this episode, but like, you know, watching TV all day while working, not actually getting ready whatsoever, or like working on things that don't actually matter and trying to focus too much on like, just putting in the hours, but it's like, is it really moving the needle forward and stuff like that? So over the years, and I know you probably have a lot of this too, Stephanie, like you figured out like what works and what doesn't for you personally and just in general. So yeah, I'm excited to share about all that. But yeah, so for me, the days, so... I, like I said, I'm a, I'm like a newish mom. I still, I feel like I still want to call myself a new mom. I'm like newish, I guess, since he's like a year and a half old now. But yeah. I, we have childcare um, outside the home three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And on those days, my husband, Adam, drops him off. I pick him up. And so those work days for me are from like eight-ish till like 3.30-ish when I go back to pick him up. And I usually take like a one hour solid break in there. Um, or I'll like stop the work day, like take a short lunch, stop the work day early um, to give myself like an hour or so before I go pick up Colin. Uh, so that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And Tuesdays are my mom day where I don't work at all. I'm just at home with him doing mom stuff and sometimes working during nap time, but I try not to. I try to like let that be a day of like where the nap time is like a time of rest for me because um, it can be long doing, um, you know, a full day alone with a toddler. And then Thursdays, my husband is home with Colin doing like his dad day. So I'm working that day with a baby in the house. Um, Also kind of like going a bit more back and forth between like family life and work life because they are just downstairs. So it's like we might lunch together. I might take a break to go to the playground. I might work a little longer that day um, since we're not like going to pick him up at preschool, it's like he can, we can all just, you know, I can work a bit longer. And then weekends are very much for like church, family time, time with friends, resting. I try not to work at all on the weekends unless I'm like in a launch mode. And mm-hmm. what I'm doing, I'm like, gosh, my my business, like I said, it's like design and courses, right? Like I sell templates, I make courses, I podcast. So I spend a lot of time creating content, whether it's like outlining for my show and recording, um, doing a guest interview, communicating with team members on like Slack and ClickUp, designing templates and working on design stuff, um, dealing with like customer support things, updating like a course or 
a training I'm working on and things like that. And then giving support to students in book.design or through like coaching calls and me in the Facebook group. So it's a lot of like random stuff um, all day long. And I feel like no, no week or day is like the same, but I do have a decent amount of meetings and things I have to like navigate to like schedule time around. Mm-hmm. Yep, that makes sense. Um, that sounds so, that sounds so familiar. Like uh, so that you described so many things about my day so well. I feel like I can never answer that question well. So I'm like, yeah, like like that, but I'm not really designing things the way that Elizabeth is. Um, so how do you like, what have you learned over the years about organizing your day so that you like can actually get the things done that you need to get done and so that you can finish a day feeling like you've actually moved the needle. I like what you said about like, you can just toil away at all kinds of things. Like if you're just trying to get some hours in, but when you're working from home, like that's not really the point. You actually want to like make some progress. So how, like, what have you learned about that? Yeah. So one thing that I've done that was a huge game changer for me when I first implemented it is like, I like to call it like serious calendaring. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically using, it could be your preferred digital calendar. For me, it's Apple Calendar. I know a lot of people prefer Google Calendar or any other. I do think a digital calendar works best for this though, because it's nice to have it with you on your phone or be able to quickly and easily move things around. But basically the way it works is like, you would start on ideally Sunday or Monday morning, like before you start the workday, get out a blank sheet of paper um, and write down, and maybe multiple blank sheets of paper, like scrap pages, um, write down all the things you're needing to do that week. And you can put them into categories of like, these are the personal things I want to get done. Like my child's a doctor's appointment. I'd love to work out two days. I need to buy groceries. It can be things like that. Kind of categorize those together. Work things that are like truly on the calendar as in like they have to have it at a certain time. Like you might write that, you know, Tuesday you have a meeting with your boss, you know, Thursday's this um, podcast interview, things like that. Write those in and then write all the things that are like, can kind of fit into your life and calendar wherever you want them to. Like they don't have a specific due date necessarily uh, and can kind of be worked on whenever. So for me, it might be things like I need to uh, work on making these three pages on a template. I need to get back to my team about this. I have to record this solo podcast episode. Uh, All those different things. So just you want to brain dump all the things you've got to do, categorize it how you want to. It might be multiple sheets of paper and it might be like, when you're looking at it, like, oh my gosh, it's so many things. So I start with that big brain dump and then I go more granular into like what tasks have to happen in order for the top level tasks to happen. So it really stinks when you get to something on your to-do list and you're like, wait, I can't even do anything on this because I had to ask this person this or this person has to get back to me or actually I had to make this big decision or whatever before it can happen. So like an example of that would be, I could say, I got to do this podcast episode and it's due next week. Uh, in reality, it's like multi-step, right? Like I need to come up with the topic. I need to outline it. I might need to ask a team member something first. Then you have to record it. Then you have to get it to everyone. So then you want to take the list and like write down the multi-steps after. Um, maybe on your agenda, you have a meeting with your boss on Wednesday, but in reality, you need 30 minutes before that meeting where you're going to prep your notes for what you want to talk about. So you want to kind of like break down those subtasks and then get out your digital calendar, 
start putting stuff on it. Start putting the things on it that are like, have true times, which ideally those things would actually already be on the calendar. Because if you're scheduling through a scheduling software or like you put them on at the time that event was scheduled, it's going to already be on there. But then you start putting the Mm -hmm. other things, right? Like you can put your workout on there. You can put that you need to buy groceries on there and when you're going to do that. And you can really like plug and play and be strategic about when things are going to happen. So you might look at Monday and say, okay, Monday, you already have two meetings that you know you're going to get ready for because they're important. You're going to do your hair and makeup and get dressed. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's a good day for you to record the reels you need to make for your business or um, work on something else that requires that front-facing look. Or maybe you know that like you want to write three blog posts and Tuesdays, like you don't have any meetings. You just have a completely free day. So that'd be a great day to like go spend three hours at a coffee shop working. Um, So Mm -hmm. you can kind of prioritize and really like again, get granular of like what makes sense when. You just put it on the calendar. I do color coding where different things are different colors. So it's like I have multiple calendars on Apple Calendar where they all go into. And I'll also leave plenty of blank spaces because things might take longer than you think. And when you first do this, it's hard to know how long things are going to take. Like you might think the meeting with your boss and the prep is only an hour and a half, but really it's two hours or three hours or whatever. So you kind of learn as you go. But I think that's so helpful. And it gives you direction in knowing that you have a plan. Um, It helps you be more deliberate with your time. And it's something like, it's so seasonal, right? Like I for years did this. And I think that was a huge part of me growing my business without working too much. Because like right now, I work about 20 to 30 hours a week um, as like a working mom who really is like mainly working part-time a lot of the time. Um, But before then, before I had my son, I was still not working 40 hours a week um, as I built my business. And so it's like kind of this intense scheduling helped me do that. That's so awesome. Do um, Do you work more in spurts or do you work more... Do you batch work at all? I do. Yeah, I like to... I like to do a lot of um, like timer work. Um, A good app for that is called Focus Keeper. If you've heard of it, that like lets you kind of do a timer where it does like 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off, like break ways that way. So I do Mm -hmm. that some, especially when I'm doing a task that like is really unpleasant where I'm like, I really am (laughs) like, I don't want to do this. I'm avoiding this. That can be really helpful to like just set a timer in your iPhone for like, 30 minutes and you're going to get a break once you're done. Uh, So I do think that's helpful. And I try to do uh, a lot of things like in batching mode in a sense. So like with meetings, it's like there's some days I'm doing meetings. There's some days I'm not doing meetings. I do batching of like podcast interview recording, not solo episodes Mm -hmm. as much. But I do do some batching in that sense. Um, And I do think that's really helpful. Yeah. I think um, paying attention to how like it's a really a learning process you know like you try one thing you try scheduling your day one way you know putting all your meetings in the afternoon and then you know having trying to have trying to have some like focused work time in the morning or you know you we try different things and i think that different things work for different people and so it's, but it, I think a lot of times we we forget to stop and go, okay, how did this go? Or like, yeah. I'm always getting caught in the after, like I'm always so tired by 3 p.m. or something. Okay, so like, what do we need to do differently? And I, I just love that, I love that idea of getting everything out of your head and onto a piece of paper and then finding the time on your calendar because then you can look back at the week and go, 
oh, how did this go? You know, or yeah. um, like I never got to that. Why? Like why? Or I avoided that thing. Okay, well, why? Or I was so tired by the time I got to that thing. And and um, I also think that it like avoids some of the dread of like feeling overwhelmed. I I'll write down a to a to do list and feel like I have to do every single bit of it that day. Instead of like, well, this is my to do list probably for the next two weeks. You know, I, I just don't think about it that way because I I forget to sort of get to that next step of actually getting it on the calendar. Yeah, and putting on your calendar allows you to be like, you're making the decision ahead of time, and then you just need to execute it, which can be really helpful if you often feel like you plan to do something but you don't actually take action on it. You can kind of like let your calendar be the boss in a sense. And like, yes. hey, you're the I I pre-decided this myself earlier this week when I was having the energy and all that. Um, decided that I was gonna do this. And that method like might not work for some people listening. Like, oh my gosh, that's too intense. I don't like that. Or my schedule's too unpredictable. And another option that has worked better for me in this current season of life, because like you know, we've had that the current childcare situation we're in for only about three months now. And like yeah. my husband's a counselor and is also in graduate school, and it's like his schedule changes a lot. And then my schedule is more flexible um, since I work for myself. So it's like, I have to navigate his a lot. So it does feel harder to do that. And another thing that I do more frequently now that I think is really helpful is I come up with like a top one to two things for each workday that I want to get done. Um, And it shouldn't be more than one to three things because in reality, the one to three things that they're really moving the needle forward probably do take a bit more time. And when deciding like, what are the top one, to three things. I'm asking myself, if this was the only thing I got done today, would I be satisfied with my work day? And that's kind of how you can know. Yeah, that's how you can know. Like if it's something where it's like, because there's so many things that are like feel important, but really it's just because they're urgent. Um, Like our inbox often is that of like, it can feel so important, but really it's just urgent. And it probably isn't necessarily moving the needle forward that much. So I'll like write down like, what are those top, one to three things. And then what are all the other things that might be more like five minute task? Um, And then often like do a little bit of like things like this meeting we're in right now might be on the calendar, but then other things might not be. So that's what's worked for me in like my current season. But I do think the other way that I just shared is also really effective. So it's all about finding like what works with you and your brain and your current season of life. And as a mom on my like mom days, something I do that I'm just like obsessed with because it's almost like a fun little game for me is back on like the scrap sheet of paper. I get that out and I'll write down like the different things I want to do that day. And some of them are, and that's more like, a you know, things around the house, things for my child kind of day. So it yeah. might be like, I'm wanting to get laundry done. I've got to unload the dishwasher. Um, and it might also be that like, I need to outline a podcast episode or I really want to pick back up that fiction book I'm reading. I want to do a devotional time and prayer time today. I want to go on a walk. I write all those kind of things down and then I just pick whatever highlighters I have available. So it might be like, you know, green is for stuff while Colin's awake and yellow is for stuff during nap time. And I basically look at the list of like, okay, is this something I could do with him or while he's playing independently? So like folding laundry, at least for him at his current age of like a year and a half, that's a great task to do with him. Like Mm -hmm. there's really no reason to use your precious nap time to like fold laundry. Same thing for like unloading the dishwasher. Like maybe you can let him play with some pants on the floor and then like Mm -hmm. um, you unload. But then like me sitting down and outlining the podcast is like, no, I need that to be something I'm doing during nap time or while he's doing something truly independent. So kind of mapping that out and then you get to mark stuff off. 
Um, and oh, for that, I do I keep it just scrap paper because it's like I can just you know leave it in the kitchen. We're at home most of the day. Uh, and that works really well and can help you kind of have some structure on a day that might otherwise feel like I didn't get anything done. I'm just like um, reactive. It can give you a little bit of proactivity. I love that. Also, there's like no better feeling than checking things off the list. Yes. Right? <laughs> I, <agree>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I was trying to find this quote um, and this just like everything else is like, did he actually say that? I don't know, but I like it. Um, so there's this Mark Twain quote that says, if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to do it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. And this is like maybe the most consistent thing that I've done over the last handful of years is like the one top one to two things that I need to get done. And then I also, I really do get kind of that like... Um, like I'm procrastinating on something. And so then now I'm really dreading it. Now I don't want to do it. And it could be anything. And so I've like that idea of like, eat the biggest frog first. What is the thing where you're like, I have to get this done. If I can do it first thing, then I don't have to think about it for the rest of the day. Um, but so that like, this is, this is what I need to do today in order for this to be a productive work day or to move the needle forward. And then which, maybe whichever one you dread the most. Yeah. Do that first. And that's, (laughs) yes, that's such good advice and so hard to do. So like, if you are like, okay, I'm going to take what Stephanie just said and like do the thing that's most important first, but you find yourself instead being like, let me scroll Instagram. I want to open my inbox or like, let me respond to this other thing or this thing's so much easier. Maybe let yourself have like 10 minutes of doing the easier thing. Because sometimes it can be like our brain needs a second to like go into work, but then do yeah. the hard thing and maybe set a timer, um, give yeah. yourself a reward after like spending an hour on it where you take a break um, and doing those sorts of things. But yeah, that, especially when you're short on work time, if you don't have that many hours, it can feel so much better to get that really good thing done before lunch and then be able to like do something more relaxing and less intense the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Does anyone else feel like they could use more time in the day? There are things you want to accomplish, places you wanna go, people you wanna connect with, but it feels like you're always falling behind. Something I'm learning recently, well, always, is that none of us can do it all. We all have to figure out what's most important to us, but doing that alone can feel scary and overwhelming. Well, friends, this is one reason why I've come to love therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. You're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. You frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. You really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them or you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, that's easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. 
Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the therapist you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're looking to sort through your priorities this year, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Learn to make time for what's most important with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. Something you may not know about me is that I'm fairly particular when it comes to fragrances, especially the ones I have in my home. Don't get me wrong, I love lighting candles, but a lot of the ones I've found in stores have overpowering scents and use chemicals that end up giving me a headache. Plus, I learned that the candle industry contributes to a large amount of carbon emissions and toxicity in our air. That's why I've recently made the switch to Notes Candles, which also happens to be today's Girls' Night sponsor. I love Notes because their scents are high quality but don't smell overly sweet or chemically. But what's even more amazing is that they are on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels with their more earth-friendly option. Did you know that there are almost 2 billion candles sold each year? And almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? Talk about wasteful. But thankfully, Notes does things differently with their refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessels again and again and again. I love this because it's way more sustainable than buying a new candle jar every time you go to the store. And you don't have to feel guilty about throwing your old candle jars in the trash. Plus, it's so easy to do and actually really fun. You just place the wick they provide you in your reusable notes jar, fill it up with their wax beads, light your candle, and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. Once you're ready for a new candle, you just repeat the same steps. They have 13 incredible fragrances to choose from, which are all handcrafted by fragrance experts at Notes Home Base in South Carolina. I am obsessed with their vanilla and pepperwood scent. It's cozy and warm and perfect for a movie night with your friends. But they also have other amazing fragrances like citrus and fresh basil, pistachio and rose water, and bamboo and water lily. I cannot wait to try one for every new season. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. Make the switch and build a starter kit. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. Just use code GIRLSNIGHT when placing your order. That's code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. In the last few years, I've prioritized purchasing food products with higher quality ingredients for my family and myself. Products that have more of the real stuff and less of the fake stuff. And it's been so much easier to make that happen since I found Thrive Market. 
Thrive Market is my new go-to for buying groceries and household items like vitamins and personal care products. The best part is I can order everything online from my sofa and it's quickly shipped right to my doorstep, saving me so much time. If this is your first time hearing about them, Thrive Market only carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, making it so much easier to maintain a healthier lifestyle. You can even use their on-site filters to fit your lifestyle needs. For example, you can look for low sugar alternatives, gluten-free items, or organic kid snacks. They have Annie's, Once Upon a Farm, and Dave's Organic Bread, all staples in our weekly grocery trip. But they also have brands and products I've never heard of, which is awesome because I'm always looking for healthy and delicious things to feed the girls and myself. Thrive Market is not only a one-stop shop for basically everything on my grocery list, but it gave me tons of ideas for products I didn't even know about. And by becoming a Thrive Market member, I save money on all of my grocery orders. Along with saving money, you're also helping a family in need with Thrive Market's one-for-one membership matching program. So if you join, they give. Friends, I seriously look forward to my Thrive Market box every time. They have an incredible product selection with brands that are better for you and for the planet. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash girlsnight. Thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight. I know that one of the biggest, and anytime people find out how long I've worked from home, I mean, it's been like years and years. Um, they're like, I don't know how you do it. I can't concentrate when I'm at home. And I think it's like partially because, I don't know, like your TV is at home. Like you would never watch TV while you're at, like in an office, like at the office. So there's distractions like that. But then also there are things like, you know, the dishes need to be emptied and the laundry needs to be folded. And so how do you, when you're at home, but you're in work mode, how do you stay in like focused work mode? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is like, it's hard navigating that. And it's like, especially if you're working in a room where it's like, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. Like if you're working at your kitchen table and you look over your shoulder and your sink is full of dirty dishes and the dishwasher just finished running and like your kid's toys all are all over the play area, it can feel very much like this is a distraction um, to what I'm trying to get done. So it could be helpful to do those things maybe before you start your workday. I love to have like the place I'm working be generally organized. And at this point in my business, I do have like a home office. But for years, I worked in our guest bedroom. Um, I had a little mm-hmm. like thrift store desk um, that I spent $50 on painted white. And like, then that was my office was like mixed in there. But having the space that you're working in, feeling like ready to go so that you can maybe ignore some of the other stuff, I think is really helpful. I also think it's okay to like take breaks as long as it works with like, again, your employer and the rest of your work schedule to take breaks to do some of those things around the house. Um, We are fooling ourselves if we think we can just sit at a desk, looking at a computer screen for eight hours straight and actually be productive that whole time. Your 
productivity is going to dwindle and dwindle um, the longer you're working. So taking like what people call micro breaks is really helpful. And I think for every person, how long those breaks are and how long they should be for you is going to depend on what you were just working on and your own personality, your energy at that time of day and all of that. But I will do things like take a break from sitting at my desk to go unload the dishwasher and like move my hands, move my body. And I think that's helpful. Um, Some breaks, like just sitting on your phone, scrolling Instagram might feel like satisfying, but might not be as like, productive of a break. Whereas doing something like going on a walk outside, again, something physical around your house even um, Mm -hmm. can be a nice productive break. I find reading to be a good break for me as well. Like just like, again, away from maybe like the screen to open like a physical book. Um, But yeah, I think it's like a balance of like allowing yourself to do some of that, but also making sure that you're not all of a sudden looking at your day and you're like, oh my gosh, I spent an hour doing housework when I'm supposed to be working. And that's where like yeah. the timer thing can be nice. Like you set a timer and you're like, hey, I'm going to tidy the kitchen for 20 minutes and then I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to like doing what I was doing. Yeah, I really like that. One of the things that we had to figure out early in marriage was like, I think Carl asked me one time, he he was working um, like at a co-working space and he came home from work and he was like, hey, you know, during the day, if you think of it, like you can empty the dishwasher. And I was like, uh-uh. I was so <laughs> mad about that because, because really in my head, like when I may be home, but I am at work. And yeah. um, there are times like I, I do integrate things more now, like I'll I'll do a little bit of this, then I'll come back to this. So a little bit of this, and I'll come back to this. But I, I didn't really know how to do that yet. I needed to really be at work, even though I was at home. Um, and so I think we like had one conversation about that, and then, but neither of us ever again has expected the other person to do home things during the workday because it's like we treat each other like we are going to work, even though we are still in our house. But yeah, there was that one conversation where I was like, no, I'm still at work. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, you are. Oh gosh, that's such a thing with people who like, if you're not used to, like if people just assume that like, because you're at home, you're just at home, you can just do whatever. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I think it's like, depending on maybe how long you've been working from home, like when you're just starting, like you're saying, it might be more like, you really need to be like this work-life separation um, and not let those things distract you. Let yourself be treated like you're in an office setting can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that you said that about having a home office. I know that that's not like totally realistic for for everybody. And in our house right now, so we, like I said, both Carl and I work from home, but we both, so we both have an office, which we like chose our house on purpose to have this space because we work at home. But we actually each have a guest bed in our office still um, because we want to have space for our you know parents to come. And you know, I want my sister and my parents to be able to come visit us. And like uh, having guest rooms is really important to us. So basically, it's like we have beds in our offices. We like maybe take occasional naps during the workday. I don't know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is it is like that's such a good way of of having a room be like do double duty is either having an office slash guest room or a guest room slash office. Um, Those are two like functions of rooms that I think tend to go pretty well together. Yeah, they go great together. Yeah, I'm with you. And we both have home offices too. And it's, it's nice having that 
space, but it's also like, yeah, you can utilize it for more. And you can totally be productive and be efficient and um, effective working from home without having like a, an organized, like, hey, this is my office space too. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have an office for a really long time or I did, but I would like never use it. I always, I'm a, I'm a total couch worker. I love working on yeah. the couch, but now that we, you know, there's so many more people in our house and yeah. they're running around and they want my attention and stuff. So now I have to have like a door that I, that I close. So not yes. We like use a sound machine outside of my office when I'm doing things like this and Colin's home. Cause it's like, if he hears my voice, he's going to be like, let me go in there. So it's like, you got to really like Smart. hide once you have kids around. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm like, the girls will walk past my door. I'm like, do you, you guys know I'm in here. I don't know that you do, but it's like yeah. better that you don't know I'm in yeah. here. <laughs> um, I, I love that you mentioned other people like not knowing or not knowing how to kind of treat your workday when you're at home. And I want to ask about that. I was going to ask about this kind of more towards the end, but let's talk about it right now. Like when you work from home, I think people in your life, like family or friends, don't necessarily know how to like treat you. It, it like it seems like you might be always available if you either work for yourself or work from home. How do you draw those boundaries? If someone asks you if you can do something, how do you like communicate? No, I'm I'm at I'm at work. Yeah, that's it's so hard. Like, and some people really are going to struggle to get it. Like when I I know like you sent me this question ahead of time, and I was like, this is so hard because I do I have some people in my life where, and again, I've been working from home for like eight years now, who I've just accepted like that they don't get it. <laughs> it's like, they think I'm more available than I am. And so with like, and that's like some family members. And in that case, I kind of use the language of like, I have a meeting and I will even do that if like it's a meeting with myself of like, hey, I'm recording this podcast episode. I am doing this important thing that I'm going to be focusing on for two hours. And I use that language with them because it's like, it helps them understand that like I might be at home and I, I know you know I have my cell phone nearby, but like I actually am working and I'm not available just because I'm in my house. So I think that can be helpful sometimes. And also letting people into like what it is you're doing because it can be confusing of like, well, what are you doing all day? Well, you're just at home. And like they might think about if they're not used to that um, way of working, they might think about like the one time they had a sick day where they like kind of worked on their laptop a little bit, but they were really watching TV and they were in their pajamas and just sitting on their couch and, um, you know, cooked yes. a really long dinner that day. And like those sorts of things are their visual. So like letting yeah. them into when it feels like it makes sense of like, hey, I'm working from home, but like this is what that actually looks like and creating boundaries with it of like that, like, hey, letting them know this is the schedule. And like during these hours, like I'm not available to do X, Y, and Z because I am working and it looks different than your work, um, but it's still work. And, mm -hmm. and you can be nice about it. But I feel like, I, yeah, I'm at a point where like, especially as a business owner, um, a lot of people don't understand why I do it all. And I'm just like, it's fine <laughs> with some of those people. But then it can yeah. be frustrating, like you're saying, when it's... Um, you know, like maybe they're intruding on your time a bit because they're assuming mm -hmm. that you're just available. And what do you do, Stephanie, for that? I think um, I've been doing it long enough that, yeah, I think most people kind of get it. But uh, when they... I do really lean into telling people what I'm working on yeah. because that... I find it so much easier to understand and to be able to be understanding and supportive if I 
I guess, understand more. So that comes up a lot with Carl and I, where like, if he is really, you know, if he's working really hard on something or he is like working kind of overtime on something, especially if that means that usually we end the day like around the same time, like around like 5.30, we both kind of end our work days. If he were to come to me and say, hey, can you can you do dinner by yourself with the girls? I have to just like, like I'm, I have a lot of work to do. I'm like maybe a little annoyed, especially yeah. if it's happened, you know, a lot recently. Um, if he tells me I'm finishing up I have to send a proposal to this client or something like that by the end of the day. This is this is the client. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like we're on the same team. You go work on that. I'll take care of the girl's dinner. Like I just immediately feel this gigantic shift in my ability and desire to support him because I I get what I'm supporting better. Yeah. Um, it's not just like, well, I was like a little slow today. So like, you know, I need to tidy up my office before I'm... You know, it, it's it's a it just helps me be more supportive, and so I, I try to think about that a lot. That it's like if I can communicate to to Carl, to my family, to you know our team that helps us with the girls. If I can communicate to them what I'm doing, it makes it more of an us thing instead of a just me thing, um, and they're able to like understand how to support me better. But then also, I think I need to lean into that a little more about like I have a meeting. Yeah. Because there are times like if I, I struggle with this all the time. I feel like I always talk about this on the show, but like if I can technically do something, then I feel for a person, I feel guilty if I don't. So it's like, well, I could scrap my entire day and go to lunch. I could technically do that. And would the world fall down? Probably not. Is it what I should do? Absolutely not. Like I have actual work I should do. So being able to say like, no, I really do. I have, I have meetings. And putting it in language that's a little bit easier to understand for everybody that really says like, like occupied cannot cannot do something right now. I think that that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel that same guilt of like being like, wait, should I go? I could do that. Should I? And that's where too, like planning (laughs) ahead can be helpful because if you you know, do plan that like for your hour lunch break, you're going to go have lunch with a friend and it's not like just popping up on you. That can also feel more like, hey, you're using the fact that you maybe have a more flexible schedule or you get to be at home to your advantage. Because it's like, we're not just working for the sake of work. Like we want to live our lives and enjoy friendships, enjoy our families and, and children and all of that. So it's like, being able to kind of integrate both together can be really nice, but it helps when it's not just like thrown at you and then you're like, wait, I have this other thing I'm trying to do. Yes, yes, just planning ahead. And and I think when you do that, you also can say, well, like, you know, having a sit down lunch to me is not all that important. Like I totally don't mind eating while I'm working. Like I know that that's not the the healthiest thing in a couple different ways. But like, maybe you say, I would rather be able to take a walk at the end of the day and call my best friend. And so you're like, that kind of hour that maybe I would have allotted for lunch, I'm just going to eat while I'm working, but I'm going to take that time and do something else. Um, and, And I think that that's a really great way to think about it, especially if you have an employer where you're like, I really am... Um, accountable for this many hours or for this work. I'm going to get this done, but instead of this, I'm going to use that time to do this because this thing, this other thing is more important to me. Yeah. Yeah, you can use your lunch break for other things in that case. Yes, you can. Talk to me about social media because I think that, you know, you mentioned like that can feel like a really satisfying way to take a break. 
but it really is a gigantic hole you can get sucked down into. Also, maybe this might be even harder for me. I want to add on email. Oh God, yes. Email's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like we can sit there and just respond to emails all day and feel like we're being productive, but then you never actually get any work done. So like, what are some some of the limits that you put on yourself? Yeah. So, uh, so I do think social media is really hard. Um, and there's so much advice that is all really good advice. So like we've all heard, and if any of this works for you, take it. But things like, you know, don't look at your phone when you first wake up. Um, keep your phone in a completely different room while you're working. Move your social media apps around. So like you go to click on Instagram and it's something else and then you're more aware. Um, deleting the apps certain days of the week, putting like the controls that our iPhones have where like, you know, it closes itself out, doesn't let you access after 30 minutes or whatever. Um, and those are all great. And they have not worked well for me. It's like what I would say. And I think for a lot of people listening, you might be like, yeah, like I I want, I feel better with my phone near me when I'm working. For me now, especially when like my son's off and away somewhere else and I'm the emergency contact, I'm like, yeah, I, I do want my phone near me during work time. Um, and also kind of like, I like having it near me when I wake up in the morning because it's my alarm clock. So like there's some things like that where like practically a lot of the typical advice is not that helpful. Um, And it is a nice relaxer sometimes to just be able to like sit and just look at something that's a little bit more mindless um, to, to have a bit of a break. And I guess what I would say works for me though when I say all that stuff doesn't and I don't do any of this perfectly. I feel like I'm still constantly figuring it out, especially since like for me, social media is a part of work. And so like showing up on there is a work thing. And I post a lot less than I used to. I think because I have been more like, this kind of seeing like, okay, what is moving the needle forward the most in my business? Like what is a good use of time? So one thing is I, as a business owner, at least, I try to be on there more as a creator than a consumer. So like mm-hmm. if I'm going to go on there to scroll, which I do, I love I love seeing what like people I enjoy following are posting. Like I love seeing the stories my friends are, are sharing. And like, there's a lot of business accounts I follow where I'm like, it's so encouraging or faith accounts where like I'm seeing this like scripture and this awesome like caption that's encouraging me today. Like, and that's, all like all good and great, but I like to try to be on there as a creator. So like when I'm going on posting or responding to stuff as much as possible um, and letting that be a part of the process and then really truly trying to limit my time on it and like swap out social media when I'm looking for just a quick scroll for like a book is something that's really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So like I use the Kindle app on my phone and got really into reading books on my phone during breastfeeding because like that was really easy to just have just like your phone right there. And I feel like that's a common time too that women end up getting really sucked into a lot of scrolling because it's like you're nursing so much and then you're sitting there all day long and that can be really like taking a lot of your time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I like reading on my phone and that can be really nice and easy just to pick up and scroll through that instead. But I think just being really aware of it is something that's helpful for me on the social media front. And with email specifically, I think we all as people, literally no matter what you do, like our work is so tied to the inbox and it can be really easy to find yourself throughout the day just clicking on that icon, whether it's on your phone or your computer and just constantly constantly touching base with it. Um, so something I do is I, I I use a specific email software called Front with my team for like managing all of our inboxes. So for someone else listening, it might be like, 
the traditional mail app or like a Gmail app or uh, it might be that's in your browser, do not keep that pulled up all day. Like shut the app down to where like you're forced quitting it. So then when you click on it again, it's got to do its little bouncing thing. Maybe on your phone, it's that you literally don't have that app at all. But then when you do go to click on it, be in it to actually respond to stuff. So I try to not open it if I'm just like opening it as a quick distraction or if I'm like, you know, it's 9 p.m. and I'm kind of bored and like, let me see what's in the inbox. Like if you're not going to respond to it right then, just don't mess with it um, is a really great rule of thumb because it is such a huge time suck. And we want to in our work be as like effective and efficient as possible so that we can spend time doing the things we really, really enjoy and be doing the things with our family, the things with our friends and our loved ones when we're with them and not be distracted by work. So like constantly opening your inbox, we are not actually going to do anything about it is really just putting your head in work mode when your body's not in work mode because you're not actually going to do anything with it. Yep. And like, um, unless you work in specifically only customer service, I would say, responding to emails doesn't actually move the needle on the things that you need to do that day. If you if you do work in customer service and you're like, they're stacking up, you know, and and yeah. like how you know that you're done for the day is being able to get through an inbox. Like that's a different thing. But I think for for a lot of us, responding to emails is a necessary thing to do for communicating with the people we work with. It's not actually the work yeah. for, for most of us. And so it just is like this crazy trick like yeah. making it feel like we're being productive and we're not. And it's, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. And that's something like that I've realized, I realized like about a year ago, maybe that I had a really bad habit of that, of like just constantly clicking on it. And I think too, if you are using another, like maybe the company you work for, y'all have a project manager that y'all are all communicating with something like, you know, ClickUp's what I use in my business, but there's other ones like, Trello, um, Basecamp, things like that. Try to focus on that versus like the email notifications from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that way, like, because that's probably the thing you actually do need to respond to, right? Is like your boss sending you something on ClickUp versus like a random email coming in about some like um, clothing line you're signed up for emails from. Yeah. Um, kind of like, yeah, kind of differentiating those a bit there. But yeah, if you could make a goal for yourself even of maybe like you're checking your email at this specific time every day and then this other specific time at the end of the day, like maybe it's 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And like when you check it, you're going to be in there for 30 minutes each time and you're going to like actually mm-hmm. respond to stuff. Um, it's really easier said than done, I think, a lot of that because it is like, I feel like emails are more addictive then we realize often we just talk like, I love that you tied that in because so often it's just social media, but in reality, scrolling our inboxes and just like opening stuff. And like, honestly, a lot of time being like concerned with it because you're not going to deal with it then, but then it might be like, oh, it takes you into like this work problem. Um, yeah. It's really unsettling and not good for th- having the separation of work and life. Yes, yes. I try to be really good about that. Like I'm not on... I will scroll social media. I've gotten a little bit worse about it in the last couple months. I used to be like like really, really disciplined. I've gotten a little bit worse about it lately, but I really don't scroll very much kind of outside of... like I, I really try to just be on my phone most of the time during work hours. And I definitely don't check my phone after work because yeah, it's like you're, you were hanging out with your kids or with your husband or having a great time with your friends. And then all of a sudden you're 
consumed by this work thing that you can't actually do anything about in that moment. Or you can, but like that's not what that moment is for. You're off the clock. And so being like actually off the clock when you're off the clock. One other thing I wanted to say, this is like kind of a side note, but as we've been talking about all the, you know, noticing the different ways that we work well and setting ourselves up for success in our schedule and in our environment, one of the things that I noticed about myself, I, I, this, I thought of this because earlier you said you can't sit at your computer for eight hours and just like be productive for eight hours. I learned that my best thinking happens while I'm doing other things. And so I was really trying to crack the code on this big writing project and was trying to figure out like, what am I trying to say? And I noticed that actually while I'm running errands, things like start kind of clicking in place in my brain more. Um, and so I started like doing that on purpose and, and I was doing it a lot for a while. So I would like, you know, drive here and then as on the way, something would sort of occur to me and then I'd get there or I'd, you know, beat a red light and I'd like write a whole bunch down. And all of my best thinking happened while I was doing something else. So I think that that's like really worth paying attention to is it doesn't make sense to chain yourself to your desk if you don't actually do your best thinking or your best work at your desk. The whole thing about this is how do you do your best work and how can you set yourself up to do that as often as possible? Right? Yes. Yeah. I love that you shared that because I actually did a podcast episode that was like a short, like 10 minute episode about that exact topic of like the uh, the idea that we get our best ideas, our best insight um, in the shower is a big one yes. for people. Um, there's literally a stat that I shared in that episode where, what was it? 72% of people get their most creative ideas in the shower and feel more creative in the shower than at work. But other similar things to that would be like you're saying running errands, driving's another one, walking's another one, doing something where your body's kind of just going through the rhythms or whatever it's used to doing. And then you have the quiet time to think. And it's so rare for us to have that because we often have our phones with us, our kids with us, someone talking to us and all these distractions. And yes, for me, that's like huge of like looking for ways for me to like have that time alone in the car, maybe not listening to anything, but just thinking, walking mm-hmm. and be able to think or pray and talk to God and listen to His voice and all that. That's so huge. Because again, we so yeah. often are just bombarded with all these different distractions and things. So yeah, I love that you share that because that's so true that we need that. So for people listening, like looking for ways within your day to like create that empty space to just think Uh, and work through ideas is actually working too and is really helpful for your mental health and productivity and all of it. Yeah. And I think we're actually like kind of mean about the thoughts that we come up with right before bed or in the middle of the night or in the shower or something. We're like, well, I I wasn't working. Like that's not a real idea. And I noticed a handful of years ago, like, no, 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 that it, those are the real ideas. Those are the best ideas. And so like have your phone or a sticky note or something like right outside the shower so that you can write something down. Because the Mm -hmm. other thing is I'll be like, well, I'll remember this later. No, I won't. I never do. So if you have something, if something occurs to you when your mind is at rest, just have a way to write it down and then you can forget about it. And then you can come back to it next time you are in work mode or like um, when you can actually do something about it. But that's like, I feel like that's a way that my brain processes through things the best and then writing them down, I can come back to them later when I might not be feeling as free or creative. And I can be like, oh yeah, that was a good idea. I'll implement that now, now that I'm actually in the space to be able to do it. Yes, I do that too with like, 
I do in notes on my iPhone and voice memos even where I'll like record. If I'm like, I don't even have time to write this down, just voice memo yourself and like help mm-hmm. yourself remember it that way. Yep. I love that. Um, do you have anything that we didn't cover? Just like any last encouragement for for women as they're trying to be their work selves at home? Yeah. Gosh, one thing I would say that I think is really helpful as we talk about like working from home and not really having the work and personal life separation because it's all in one place like we've been saying. Having like a startup routine to your workday and a closing routine to your workday. And that sounds a lot more intense than it actually is. I'm talking like a minute on each end. But for me, what I do is like for starting the workday, First thing is like not starting with the inbox, although that can feel like the thing you want to start with most because it feels most urgent, but likely not the most important. But I start my workday, it's so, it feels kind of weird sometimes. And I've a few times forgot to um, unlight the candle, but I light a candle (laughs) on my desk. Um, And that like kind of signifies for me, okay, like the workday starting and then looking over your agenda for the day and back on what you were saying of like eating the frog concept of like that most important thing, like really just taking that second to be like, okay, what am I starting with? I'm transitioned, the office door's closed, or like I'm at my kitchen table now and like this is starting work. The laptop is open. Um, Doing a little bit of like a work startup routine like that. And then for closing the workday, what I like to do is moving over anything I didn't get done to like the next day in the planner, looking at the calendar for the next day, kind of closing anything out that needs to be closed out, tidying up my desk a little bit, which is my desk is like, even right now, as I look in front, it's like not that tidy. When I say tidy up, I mean like taking the the three coffee cups that are empty, like down to the kitchen. Yes. Um, but a big one that I think is like, feels so funny, but I do this every day. I close my laptop. I don't have a laptop, not like a monitor. So I'm old school like that, even though I've been working for home and I'm a designer, but I have a laptop. I close it and I say, all done. <laughs> So like all done with the workday out loud to really differentiate like, hey, the workday is ending. I'm all done with work. Um, Cal Newport teaches that in one of his books. I think it's in Deep Work, but he has you say shut down complete, I think is the way he explains to do it. So whatever you want to say, maybe it's all done. Um, like we teach kids to do with like the different sign languages mm-hmm. um, or shut down complete or like whatever um, word resonates with you. But like saying something out loud to signify that like, hey, I'm leaving this workspace behind and like allow yourself to really leave it behind and like go into family mode, go into time with your spouse, go into time with your roommates and friends and like really differentiate that this is done. And I think it's helpful to do that even if you are like, hey, I'm stopping at three o'clock to pick up my kids from school and I'm gonna work again at seven when they're asleep. Like even if that's your situation, still allow yourself that shutdown time um, to allow yourself to like really say like, hey, I'm about to go be fully present with this other thing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Elizabeth, I am I just am so grateful for you. I'm so inspired by you. I'm so grateful for you. And um, we're gonna link to everything Elizabeth McCravey on the show notes um, so that everyone can follow you and be your friend and learn from you and get templates from you. You guys, if you are looking for a website, I love show it and I love Elizabeth's designs. And so um it's just a really great way to like it's like the fast track to a really beautiful website. So thank you. Thanks for coming on the show, friend. Thank you. It was an honor. This was so fun. Friends, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Before you go, I would love it if you do two quick things. The first is to subscribe. 
Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode when a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and take just a second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who've left those beautiful five-star reviews already. It means the world to me. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I have to tell you, you are going to love this next one. I'll see you then.